there are always things that stand in the way. And there's always things that we need to be aware of and prepared for so that we may truly be the people of God, that God has called us to be, that his gifts in us individually and corporately are used to, share, to spread his glory, that others may know him. And in this series uh, called Possessing Your Tomorrows, this morning we're talking about a very key part of what it is to move towards something that God has for your life. In Joshua, Joshua chapter 1 verse 11, we're, we're starting a transition where they're actually starting to move toward the promised land. In Joshua 1 11, he made this, this claim to those in leadership. He said, listen, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. For three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So there was that promise again that had been made to the children of Israel. That promise had been made years before uh, when they were still in captivity. And yet God is not a man that he should lie. His promises always come through. Amen. So now we skip ahead into Joshua chapter 3, and we see them actually fulfilling this command that Joshua gave to the camp. It says, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since, you've never, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Then Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. How many of you are ready for some amazing things among you from the Lord? Amen? Let's, let's agree together in prayer right now. Father, thank you. God, that Lord, today we serve the God who has given us everything. And that, Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever through Jesus Christ. And, Lord, as we read this old story, God, we're not doing it for historical purposes, God. But, Lord, we recognize that, Lord, as you work in them, Father, you are working in us now. And, God, there are principles that, Lord, do not change. And, Father, this morning we open ourselves up to one of those. And I ask, God, that we would have ears to hear and hearts to respond. That, God, we would never be the same, God, because of your word coming into us and your Holy Spirit making it real in our lives. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to teach your word. I give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Just want to recognize real quick before we go forward, part of the season that I love is I get to see family visiting and coming in, and we have a very special lady up here on the front row this morning, Alvina Bateman, and uh, we, uh, she has known me since I was 24, so she can tell stories, so I had hair back then, right? It, it was good looking hair too, and this is Curtis Hickey's mom, and all the way from uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, would y'all give her a hand this morning? We're glad she's here with us. Always good having family visiting for the, for the holidays. You know, when God put this series in my heart, I, I really had this expectation that what he was leading us to was an understanding of how God leads us, how God works in our lives. And I know that's uniquely different for all of us, but there are some ways that God does lead all of us toward the tomorrows that he has planned for us even before we set foot on this earth. And at the same time, I, I knew that we were probably going to be in the season of moving toward a, a new place for us, something that is different in our journey, where we would, would move, as, as I shared the other week, the building is not the promised land. It is just a tool that God has for us to use, but it's different. There, there's different expectations, there's different opportunities, and we have to recognize how does God lead us into that space, because God always has a new way when he wants us to experience a new day. He always has something unique for us to take and understand. And so this morning, as God directed us to study this book, it really became clear to me as I was going back through the, the stories of Joshua 
that there were some principles that if we would just take hold of, can I tell you, our lives would be totally different. Because God is a God that works in his people, but he also works through his people. And we need to be ready for him to work in us to claim the tomorrows he has for our lives. And this morning, what I want to focus on is, is, is at first I'd written in my notes, controversial, but it's really not. It's just a misunderstood concept that is key for us if we're going to take hold of what God has already taken hold of for us. And that is this morning, we're going to learn how to, to submit to tomorrows. We're going to learn how to submit our lives to tomorrows. I would love to jump ahead and, and get, to the, get to the battles in the book of Joshua. I'd like to jump ahead to Jericho and to the other battles, and let's just talk about the victories and, and how God came through and the mighty miracles, the sun standing still. We're going to get to all of that. But can I tell you, if we just jump forward to the battles, we will miss the fact that there were steps that God had the children of Israel take to prepare them for victory. And if they had not taken those steps, they would have been defeated at every turn. I know that uh, we don't like using sports analogies all that much. Not everybody's into sports, and we're into various sports around here. But it's, it's that championship season, not in fantasy football, Justin, but in real football. And, and sometimes people will look and say, well, those teams were just lucky. They got to the end. No, what can I tell you? They weren't lucky. They started preparing a long time ago a culture, a practice, and an understanding that got them ready to achieve something that others could not achieve. And can I tell you, it's the same in our lives. There are practices, there are things that God has called us to, that if we just get into our lives, we will see God work in us in a victorious way. And it all began with a command. Joshua said, get ready. Get ready. Three days, we're going in. Get ready. All this past, all these promises, all these dreams that you heard about, all this wandering in the wilderness, three days, we're going in. And I believe that as Joshua sent his leaders to the camp to call his people to that readiness, there was, this, there was this awakening that was taking place. There was, this, there was this almost shock in their system to say, look, it's happening. It's not something you just dream about. It's happening. And I think it's a promise to all of us who refuse just to drift through life. I think it's a promise to all of us who believe God has something more to do in us and through us, but yet we don't sit back and just think that we're some kind of victims of random fate, and if God wants to make it happen, God's going to make it happen. Church, can I tell you, God works through people who take hold of his promises. We shared that last week. He works in his people who do not give up but hang on. He works through his people that dream dreams and say, God, I believe that's going to come to pass, and I'm not just going to sit back and accept it as being random fate, but God, I'm going to go toward it, and I'm going to trust your timing. You see, guys, tomorrows are not found by people who just drift through life. Tomorrows are not discovered by people who, who are not sensitive to God's timing and God's purpose is working in his perfect will. You see, only those who submit to his call and to his timing will possess what he wants to bring in them and through them. Remember last week we were talking about the commands and the encouragement that God gave to Joshua. And I, I love that section in chapter 1 where he said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, Joshua. Get a hold of my, of my promise for you. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Get a hold of my path. There, there's ways I want you to walk, Joshua. Be, be bold. Be, be strong and courageous, Joshua, because my presence is what you need. And Joshua began to step forward in that authority that God had for him. Now, remember the story here, guys. The children of Israel had been rescued out of Egypt. And they had come to the place very quickly where God was ready to bring them into this promised land. And yet, because of their unbelief, they were not allowed to enter in. In fact, because of their unbelief, they were sent back into the wilderness for 40 years of wandering until an entire generation died out. 
In fact, anyone above 20 years old at that point where they should have gone in the first time never saw the promised land. It was only the new generation coming up besides of Caleb and Joshua. And now here they are. They're ready. They can look across the Jordan. They can see what their parents and grandparents saw. But now God says it's for you. They could see and they could hear the stories of the past, and now they were going to experience themselves. I, I, grew, how many, I grew up in church. I'm just, a, I'm just a church kid that grew up in church. I'm blessed by that. But I'm that generation that I got tired of hearing the stories of what my grandparents experienced. I got tired of hearing my stories about revivals of the past. Guys, I believe God has something fresh for us today. But we've got to submit ourselves to it and say, Lord, write history through us, just as you did through this new generation that we're ready to go in. But even as they were ready to go in, there were people that didn't want to. There were two tribes. They went to Joshua and said, Joshua, we really are happy right where we are. And I know God has said that land flows with milk and honey. I know there's a possession there, but we want to stay on this side of the Jordan. Joshua prayed, and God said, that's fine. They're going to stay right here. And what happened is in that moment, you could almost sense this, what I, what I feel today so much in the church in America is this passiveness. Don't make waves. Let's just stay the way things are. I can just see some of the children of Israel like, hey, you know, we, we get the routine. We wake up. There's manna. We collect it. We eat it. We go out and train for battle. We worship God. We go to bed. Tomorrow morning we get up. We go get manna. We eat it. We train for battle. We worship God. We go to bed. It kind of sounds like a lot of your routines, right? We just get so caught up in the routine of life that we stop expecting God to interrupt it. We stop expecting God to do something amazing. But can I tell you guys, there are times where he needs to disrupt our lives. There are times where he needs to, to shake us in that place of saying, it's time to go in, but we need to submit to his way of doing so. So Joshua issues that command, get ready. And he does it in a way that brings order. He does it in a way that, that works through his chain of command. It was God speaking to Joshua, Joshua to the officers, officers to the heads of the tribes, the heads of the tribes to the families, the families to the children, three days. Consecrate yourselves because God's going to do amazing things among us. Three days, stay close because we've never walked this way before. And he brought to them this, this change they needed to get, and it, it was concerning time. Yes, there have been a lot of wandering. Yes, there's been a lot of promises. But three days, there's, there's something tangible. We're going to go in. He spoke to them concerning their team. He said, listen, gang, two tribes are wanting to stay here, but nobody rests until we all possess. Nobody rests until we all possess. Can I tell you guys, listen, yes, God works in us individually, but he also calls us to be a people. He calls us to walk together, to share together, to go forward together, because through us, God brings about his purposes in our community, in our world. And then he gave him this, the command about the path. He said, look, the path is going to be about, about obedience and submission, even down, to the, even down to the minute points of staying a distance away from the ark, which represented the presence of God in their lives. And in the same way, God has that path for us, but sometimes he needs to shock us to break us out of patterns of apathy. We get so comfortable doing the same thing over and over and over again that quite honestly, we take God right out of the picture. We, 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 can, we can carry out a church service without God. Can I, can I get an oh my? We, we, we can carry out a worship service without God because we can get so caught up in just how we do things and how we make it happen that we don't see the uniqueness of what God is trying to work in us. So he, he shocked them. He said, Lies, it's time. Get ready. If they didn't get this right, how in the world were they going to conquer Jericho? If they couldn't get in order, how in the world were they going to break out into the promises of God? 
I think one of the biggest battles you and I face as believers is our ability to accept and get comfortable in the status quo. Because even when the status quo is messed up, it's so easy just to stay in it. We, 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 risk, we risk not breaking out of it because we're afraid what the next change might be, so we stay back in the status quo. And I'm telling you something, even when the status quo stinks, you don't want to stay there. You've got to trust God that what is coming is better, and we've got to be ready to make that change and step out for him. But make no mistake, the children of Israel, when Joshua sent the word out, we're going in, we're moving in. Can I tell you, they didn't all just jump up like, woohoo! yeah, finally, we're going to make it in. No, I can just imagine some of the conversations in the tents. Man, that Josh was crazy. Why, why do we need to sacrifice the thought of moving across the river? It's peaceful here. And what's the hurry anyway? Three days. Come on. We've been doing this for 40 years. We might as well just keep going, right? And why now? I mean, can't we wait until conditions are better? If you read the story, the river in front of the Jordan River was at flood stage. I'm sure there were some very smart people that said, you know, hey, Joshua, if you wait about six months, it'll be drought season. We can, like, just step over the rocks. We'll be in there. But God said, now. God said, move. God said, get ready. And Joshua's going to lead them there. You see, becoming a person who possesses tomorrow, who learns to truly follow Christ in obedience, means that we've got to learn to submit to God's timing in our lives. And I know, because I, I know the stories, I know my own story, we want everything now, don't we? God gives a promise, fulfill it, God. You know, we need healing, do it now, God. We need a financial miracle, we need it yesterday, God. We, we are all about instant, but yet we submit to the timing of God. I shared with so many of you, share with me your Charlotte stories. And I, I, I love Charlotte stories because God moves people from all around the world to our city, and there's always a God story in it. But yet we're impatient, we're like, God, you moved us here, it should happen now. And God says, in my time, are you willing to submit to that? Because sometimes it truly does mean that it's going to happen immediately, but most of the time it means we wait, and we follow, and we get ready. Joshua and Caleb, they were ready to go in 40 years ago, but now today they get to go in. So there's three lessons I want you to see out of this this morning, and then we're going to break it down in a very practical way. And that is that we need to trust God's timing in our lives. We need to learn to submit to God's timing even when it crowds our comfort zone. One of the reasons I want you to know the Bible and I want you to read God's Word is, is you start to pick up on some things. There were people that we claim are major characters in the Bible. I mean, they are the heroes of faith. They made it to Hebrews chapter 11. Come on now. But if you read their story, God made a promise to them once. And for many of them, they walked 40 years, 80 years, hundreds of years before they ever saw the promise fulfilled. But you know what they did? They never lost sight of the promise. And we've got to learn to submit to his timing, even when it's outside of our comfort zone. You know, if you'd have told me we'd be almost 10 years old by the time we built a building when we started this church, I'd have told you, you're nuts. That is not happening. That, that does not, not make sense. But yet there was a journey God took us on that we needed to go on because we need to be ready for what he has planned for us in the future. The second lesson is we've got to submit to God's concern for others, even if it means delaying your own schedule. I want you to do something this morning. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it's not always about me. That means moving your lips. Let me hear you guys. I know it's kind of quiet here today. It's not, some of you are like, I'm not saying that. And some of your spouses are like, finally. Wow, thank you, Pastor Mike. I never thought those words would come out of their mouth. But it's not always about me. And if we're submitted to God's plans, 
then we're submitted to his concern for others, even if it means delaying our own schedule. We live in a world that steps on you, that doesn't walk with you. They, they, it's a world that goes through you, not with you. And sometimes it's like the two tribes that said, you know what, selfishly, we don't want to go fight the battles. We're just going to stay right here. Joshua goes, uh-uh, no, because you know what, your brothers and sisters are going to fight battles. And you're not going to settle in your land until you go out and fight the battles with them. Listen, guys, there's times where God reminds us that we, our schedule may be delayed because he's working in someone else's life, and we've got to submit to that. And then the third thing is that we got, we've got to learn to submit to God's ultimate priority, and that's our, our worship. It was all about going to the promised land to worship God. It was all about getting there to become a people that represented Christ. It was all about us, us becoming that which God spoke into existence uh, when he promised us our beginning. You see, few ideas concerning discipleship get more distorted, though, than this thought of submitting. Few ideas get more out of whack in, our, in, in people's theology than this understanding of what it means to submit to God's plan. In fact, for many of you this morning, just me using the word submission, you're like turning your brains off right now. It's like, I don't want to hear this. Oh, but can I encourage you? Please listen this morning. Because I believe if we understand this, it opens up the poss possibilities of so much blessing in God through us. It opens up the possibility of so much miracle-working power in us, but it all begins when we learn what it means to submit to God's plan. Now, listen, let me just very quickly belay the thoughts of, the, the improper thoughts about what submission is. God never called anyone to a reduced, beaten-down existence in this life. Can I get an amen to that? He's never called us to that. Instead, he has called us to freedom. And that freedom is freedom from carnal existence. And that's, that's, a, that's a central focus that tells us he's called us to freedom, but it's not just about us doing whatever we want to do. It's not just about us doing whatever we, we want to, to accomplish. It's not just about my rights, my way, my God. He's our God. He has plans for us. Our, we are part of that. Jesus said it in Matthew 16, 24. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must do what? Talk to me. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In terms of spiritual reality, what he's saying is we are made to be free in Christ. But liberty in Christ isn't a program of self-rule. Liberty in Christ is not a program of just your own way. Our freedom one at Calvary is meant to free us from the curse and the bondage of sin. Praise God for that. We are no longer bound by those sins. We, we can't make statements like, I can't help myself. It's just the way I am. No, God set us free from the curse and bondage of sin. But he also set us free from the smallness of soul that focuses singularly on me and mine. We have been made for a purpose, amen? There are people that only see Jesus through us. There are people that only hear the gospel through us. And that smallness of soul focuses only on me. And, and when things don't go my way, then I get angry at God and angry at everybody else instead of just saying, God, I trust you in your timing and I submit to your will. But it also frees us from this Lone Ranger kind of independence that places me at the center of everything and that I am the single-handed controller of everything in my life. And you know what happens when you do that? You just close up God's hand of blessing and say, God, I've got it. I need God's hand like this to me. And I want his hand like that to us, amen? But when we say we're in control, what we're doing is we're pushing him right out. And it honestly flies in the face of our Western view of faith. Listen, many have sanctified the notion of autonomy, independence. I can do whatever I want because I am free in Christ. 
But to live according to that deception is to deny the very reality of who Christ is and who he was forming in us. Check it out in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. This little segment of scripture that just speaks so powerfully about the nature of our Savior. It says, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Now let's just pull that back for a second. Let's just take a moment. Let's, let's look at Christ and this idea of submission, all right? Though rightfully the king of the universe, he stooped down to come into a manger on this earth as a baby. Submitted to a, a young teenage mom and a husband who was probably clueless. He was baptized to serve the father's purpose, though he had nothing to repent of because he was sinless in every single way. He taught that the spirit of his kingdom is not the, the, the exercise of power to prove that we are superior or even that we are right. But rather in the spirit of submission, the spirit of love and servanthood, he wanted us to hold out the words of life because, because given time they would bring trust. They'd bring healing and hope to people that don't know him. He accepted rejection without retaliation. I always picture that on the cross and they were mocking him and they were saying, if you're really the king, do something about this. And I'm thinking, y'all had no idea. Because he could just look at the father and say, take care of him. And it would just been like gone. They would not even be in history because of the power that he possessed in his life. But yet he submitted to the cross for you and I, even to the point where he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Even in death, he showed this path of submission. Even in death, he showed this, this willingness to lay down his own life so that God's ultimate purpose will be fulfilled. When he said, Father, would you forgive them? Because they don't even know what they are doing. Only later to say, Father, into your own hands I commit my spirit. You see, the example of Christ, it reveals the power of release and growth that happens when God's children say, Lord, not my way, but your way, God. Not my timing, but your timing, God. Not my path, but your path, God. And we learn to walk in this spirit of submission. I want them to put this on the screen this morning because I want you to see it. I want you to get this in the spirit because Christ showed us something. He proved to us that, that at the cross and with his very life, that the path down, submitting, coming underneath the will of God, was really the way up, and that was receiving the authority that God had for him on this earth. In the same way, guys, he proved that the level of our submission determines the level of our anointing on this earth today. You want to see God move in your family? Submit to the will of God and submit to his ways and, and submit to his paths. You want to see anointing in a, in a place where you're trying to develop a ministry or develop life and you need God to move through that? Submit to his ways and release the handles of control and say, God, it's your way, not my way. You see, when we submit, there's this anointing that comes, but yet it's, it comes because we understand that submission doesn't diminish us. It actually exalts us. Let me give you a little definition of submission because I, I can see your faces this morning. You're like, I came to church. He's talking about submission. I don't like that word. A lot of people don't like that word, but understand the concept of it, all right? Here's what submission means. So often, it is, it is couched in a way that means for, for submission to happen, someone else has to be exploited or manipulated or controlled. Does anybody know what MMA is in here in the house today or anything like that? I know y'all are so righteous, you don't watch fighting on TV and any of that. But they talk about these submission holds. In other words, it means an opponent is so beat down 
that they finally just give up, not because they're surrendering to something better, because that's what biblical submission is, but they're so beat down, they're surrendering, saying, I don't want to die in this moment, so please let me go. And so many people see submission that way, but that's not biblical submission. Listen, true submission can never be forced. God does not force us into submission, does he? He didn't force us to be saved. He didn't force us to come to church and worship him. Last time I checked, God did not strike anybody dead when they made a bad decision last week. God does not do that. He, he, submission cannot be forced because at its core, submission is an inner attitude. It's a heart issue. I, I submit to my spouse. It's my heart to her. I, I submit to leadership. It's my heart there. I submit to God. It's a heart issue. Because submission can never be required. It can only be volunteered. It can only be given away as a willing gift. Only I can choose whether I will or I will not submit. But when I choose, can I tell you, Hope? When I choose, then the power of God is released. When I choose to submit to his path, to his ways, to his plans, to his timing, his power is released because I learn to submit to the Father by doing what his word says in Ephesians 5, 21, where I submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That word submission, submit, it really is a military term. And I'm going to apologize to all my military people right now because I might mess this up, okay? So give me a little grace this morning. But it is really a, it's a really a military term that speaks of alignment. It speaks of order. It speaks of coming into a place where there is a structure that brings order so that each private, corporal, sergeant, lieutenant, and captain properly relate to the authority right up the line through the majors, colonels, generals, to the commander-in-chief. Did I get it right? Even close. You don't care anymore, do you? You're not there. But, it, but there's, there's an alignment that has to flow through, and it's, and it's not to make someone greater than, and it's not to diminish someone else. I don't know about you, but in private, I mean, in battle, I don't want a general storming the gate who's like 60 years old or, or 70 years old and needs to retire someday. I want a 22-year-old that doesn't know any better storming the gate, running through there going, I can do anything in Christ, okay? In the same way, I don't want a private making the plans for the military of what all they need to do to win a battle. That's, that's a picture of alignment. It's the right people in the right places making the right decisions. And it doesn't mean it reduces significance. It actually brings importance to everybody. The whole structure of submission and authority is designed to assist in the effectiveness of all, the interests of all, so that we all get there and so that we all get there and win. See, the Bible's very clear, and I want you to understand this, gang. God is not a God of disorder. Amen. He's a God of order. And there are certain things he has put in place. And they're not meant to diminish anybody, but they're, made, they're meant so that our, our gifts, our talents, our abilities, all that will reflect his glory in his proper place. Now, listen, there's no doubt. We stand individually before God responsible for our relationship with him. There's no question about that. I, I don't stand before the Father for your life. I mean, I do sort of as a pastor. There's a higher judgment. I understand that. I give an account for you. But I'm responsible for my life. And uh, that's why I always say I'm not the Holy Spirit for you, and, and you're not the Holy Spirit for me. We've got to stand before God individually. But the life of a disciple is always lived out in relationships with others, to fellow believers, to the church, to various ministries, to our employers. And submission to God's order is designed not to rank people above others. One thing the church has messed up through history Listen, the priest is no greater than anybody else. We serve the same God. We wake up the same way. We, re we got to repent for the, our own sins. We got we to trust God for our own ways. There, there's no order in that. I always, some of y'all freak me out. 
some of their backgrounds and religious backgrounds. You know, like, I am not a priest. Can I just say that? Amen. We are all been made priests in his kingdom. Amen. We are, we are a kingdom of priests. We are all doing spiritual worship. God just called me to lead this bunch, and some days that's not easy, but yet it's what he called me to, just as he called others to do other things. It's a matter of submission to his order so that the interests of all are served and that we can get to victory. So how do we walk it out? How do we walk out submission? Y'all need to breathe. I know we're on topics. It's not real popular. Y'all are like, just breathe for a second. It's okay. Let's look at this practically. So how do we walk out submission? How does it flow in our lives to prepare us for what God has for our lives? How many that are married this morning want like the greatest marriage on earth? Of course we do. <laughs> if you did not raise your hand, I hope your spouse did not see that. We want, we want, we want, we want our, why? Why? Because our marriages, the Bible says, should be one of the greatest testimonies to the world of the love of God flowing into people. But, but listen to this, Okay. If, if we are really people that want to submit to God's order, then let me ask the husbands a question, okay? No elbowing today. Look, look at your, if you're sitting your spouse, no elbows, no clenched knees, none of that stuff, all right? Hands off. As a husband, how do you relate to your wife? As a servant or as a tyrant? As a responsible leader or as a whining child? How do you relate to your wife? Because there are husbands who never win the spirit of submission from their wives because they never laid down their own lives that God commanded in Ephesians chapter 5. Instead, they laid down their laws demanding their own authority. And they never experienced what God intended out of the beauty of their wives. Wives, you don't get off easy. How do you relate to your husband? Am I a supporting partner displaying the unique gentleness and love of true womanhood? Or am I controlling, belittling, nag? I'm sorry, I wrote that. It's just there, okay? <laughs> My wife's But there are wives who never draw from their husbands this willingness to lay down their lives best because they're unwilling to risk losing control of their own destiny in order to secure the potential beauty of the relationship God mandated in his word. Parents. How do you parent? Do you see that your authority and power flows from your submission to your heavenly father? Who's entrusted you with, and I know it's hard when they're teenagers, a gift. They are gifts. Tell yourself that. They are gifts, not just when they're cute and cuddly, but also when they're like gnarly and tough to deal with. They are still gifts from God. But if you entrusted with this gift, God calls you to be a role model. He calls you to be this picture of submission to authority. He causes you to be a, a person of standards that are beyond earthly standards. Say, I want my kid to see in me God. My, my, my dad was not a preacher. He didn't even say a whole lot. He grunted a lot. But can I tell you what? I watched his life, and I knew what it was to be submitted to God, submitted to authority, and submitted to God's plan and to trust him. And I thank my father, my heavenly father, for my earthly father for that. But we've got to look at that and say, are we willing then to care for our kids, to correct our kids, to affirm our kids, even to discipline our kids if we need to in a proper way so that we all walk in submission? Now, kids, you don't get off easy either. How do you view your parents? Some of our adult kids, you need to think about this, all right? Do you honor your father and mother or do you belittle their responsibility over you and set yourself up for judgment from the Lord? That's scripture. But when you sit back and go, my parents are clueless and they don't understand, believe me, they were you once, okay? 
And they may have said the same thing, but something in them one day said, I need to respect and honor because God then honors me. Let's get beyond all this, because some of this you may not be in those circumstances. Let's get down to real business. How about as an employee? How do I relate to my job? Oh, he's gone to messing now. Yes, I'm going to mess with you a little bit here. How do I relate to my job, my fellow workers, my boss? Am I a dependable, come on, Hope, on time, you can count on me, partner? Or am I a passive, disinterested, only as much as I have to, pain to be around? Or worse yet, are you the, re- are you the resident religious freak who talks about faith all day long, but doesn't manifest it in this daily diligence of just doing the job you're paid to do. Can I get an amen this morning? Oh, wait, wow, you didn't like that, did you? It's where we live. I I didn't always work in the church, guys. I've been in corporate America just like a lot of y'all. And there were some religious freaks. I'm like, would you please be quiet and just do your job? We'll witness on break. We'll witness in the, after work. We'll witness on the job. We got a job to do. We're getting paid to do it. And submission says, I'm going to do my best and I get employee of the month. Not so I can pat myself on the back, but I can show somebody that's a believer. I'm committed to the right things. And I honor the one who gave me the strength and the wisdom to even have this job. You see, submission flows in every part of our lives. It even flows to us as the church. I mean, think about it. How do I relate to the church? How do I relate to my church, to my fellow believers, to the world, to my God? Am I a right-spirited member an active servant, an accountable disciple in the right relationship with God and man, or am I a passive bystander benefiting from the fruits of others' submitted servanthood? We have to ask ourselves that. Because God is a God of order that wants us to possess our tomorrows. God is a God of dreams and plans that has placed them inside of us. But sometimes we forget the fulfillment of God's dream in me might be dependent on you. And then your dream might depend on me. And we've got to learn to walk in that spirit of submission and honor, preferring one another. Because when we do that, then we grow, then we learn, then we find the life of Christ truly flowing in us and through us. And only then do we possess our tomorrows. Guys, I want so badly to see your stories written. I want so badly, there are times people share with me their stories, their testimonies, and their dreams and desires. And and I I wish I could just take a pen and write the finale for you and say, well, let's see how God does this. But here's what I know. As long as we're breathing, the last chapter's not been written yet. And God is writing those chapters out in our lives. But if we ever take the pen out of his hand, we're in a dangerous place. If we ever take the pen out of his hand, then we're in a place where we're saying, God, I don't need you. God, I'll do it my own way. I I love what uh, this quote from Mother Teresa says. She said, we are pencils in the hand of a writing God sending love letters to this world. You know, until we learn to walk in the path of submission, we can't really truly be messengers of God. We really can't show other people the love of the Father until we walk in a submitted way to God's timing, to his path, and to his plan. And this morning, you may have come and you're, you're a little ticked at God. You're like, God, I know you have plans for me. Your Bible, your word says that. And we, and we love quoting Jeremiah all day long, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, plans to give me a hope and a future. How many have ever quoted that to yourself? I mean, yes, right? But we forget the rest of the Word of God, where it says, trust Him, submit to Him, walk out His ways, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
Say, God, I'm going to go your way, not my way. You see, tomorrows are wonderful. And we all want them. We all want the fulfillment of what God has for us. But can I tell you, there is a path of submission that we have to go through to get there. And it may flow in areas like, what do you mean, God? you want me to forgive the past before I can take hold of the future? Yes. It absolutely means that. It means, God, that I've got I've to maybe prefer some others before I get in on my part. Yes, it does mean that. God, God, does it mean I need to submit to authority that you've placed in my life? Yeah, it means that. Because you see, tomorrows are possessed quite often through things like patience, but also through diligence. They don't just fall into our laps. We've got to go for them. But as we walk with God... Let us be like the children of Israel. That when Joshua said, tomorrow, three days, we're going. No, by the way, line up behind the priests. Stay, stay three cubits behind the ark. He wasn't just giving a lazy thought. He was saying, this is God's plan. Here's his path. Let's trust him in that. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray. I know that for some, tomorrows are hard to define. I, I totally understand that. I know in this series, some, you're, you're thinking, Mike, I, I'm just trying to get through today. But I want to encourage you something. God, God is not just trying to help you exist. There was a recent survey among Christians in the U.S. Why, why do we serve God? And the answer overwhelmingly was for me to get through my day to day. That's not why. That's a benefit, but that's not the why. We serve God because he sent his son to die for us on the cross to give us life and hope. We serve God because he arose from the grave to show us anything is possible. We serve God because we know, we know deep inside of us that we were made for more than just getting up, gathering manna, going and training, worshiping God, and waking up and doing the same thing again tomorrow. And we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to God if we don't have this vision, this at least this sort of picture that's getting clear in your minds of, God, what is it you made me to be and to do? Then we owe it to ourselves, to God, and to others just to simply find a place in this season and say, God, what is it that you want to do in my life? God, what is my tomorrows? Because we serve with a communicating God and he will show us. But once he shows us, then we need to release that dream in his hands and say, God, it's in your timing. It's in your ways. But, Father, I'm not going to sit back and just wait. God, I'm going to start walking. God, I'm going to walk toward it, God, but you're going to direct my paths. You see, that's how we all came to know Christ. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. Maybe you came and someone convinced you with a promise of lunch to come to church. Maybe you're listening on podcasts and you you're know something's got to change in your life. Honestly, that's you'll look back, but that's how we come to Christ. He puts something in our hearts that says we need him. And we go out and we try to make this life work on our own terms. We all do it. We've all tried it. We've all done it. But there comes this place where suddenly you realize, I can't do this. God's been tapping the whole time on your heart saying, if you just let me in, I'll show you. But I not only show you how to do this life, I'll show you what you were actually created for. And the moment we open up to that and we accept his love by accepting his son Jesus and making him Lord of our lives, this whole new possibility opens up. We've all experienced that, that are Christians. And our hope is for those that have not yet made that choice that you do today. Because I tell you, it changes everything. And God wants that for your life.